pray, Lord, that you would be with, uh, be with us and care for us. And we love you, God. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, this morning I'm continuing uh, my sermon series uh, where I'm just hitting some topics of conversation that uh, really I feel like we need areas of encouragement and one of those areas of encouragement last week uh, was a focus on our children and really to bless and care for our kids and an encouragement for us to be a blessing to our kids. And this morning I want uh, to encourage parents. And I realize that, uh, you know, half my audience uh, is, you know, past the stage where they, you know, don't have to worry about those things anymore. Some are right in the thick of it. And I think, okay, talking about parenting on a Sunday morning that might be a little awkward for most all of you, and so I apologize for the awkwardness, but I feel like parents need encouragement, and so uh, we all need to encourage them together, and maybe that's not where you're at in your life, but you can be an encouragement to parents. You can uh, lift them up, and so I just kind of want to share what we're going through as parents right now, and uh, w before I do that, I have this video to kind of set up what I want to talk about and how I feel about parenting at the moment. So uh, these guys are in an airplane, and they're going to tell you what they do. Some people like to climb mountains. I like to build planes in the air. I grew up wanting to be on a plane. To be up this high. Sometimes the temperature up at altitude will reach 60 below. It's brisk, it's refreshing. You never know what you're going to come across up here. Canadian geese, mallards, owls. These people back here, that's why I come to work. That's why I build airplanes in the sky. We're not just building a plane here, we're building a dream. I love this job. I got a lot of banks up here. I look over there and I see that little kid, the look in his eyes. That's all the thanks I need. But, uh, they're building a plane in the sky. And when I think about parenting and that, that first news, and it was actually an exciting Sunday that day. If you remember and raise your hand, the day that I showed the uh, picture of Oliver's foot, do you remember that day? Uh, none of you. I, it was monumental for me, uh, but I shared the uh, the picture. What's it called? It's, it's ultrasound, and it was Oliver's foot, and I, that was how we announced to the church that we uh, that we were going to have a kid. So, anyways, I'm glad it made such an impression on you. Uh, it was big deal for me, uh, but anyways, that was over 13 years ago. Now we have a teenager in our house, and. And uh, I've been following uh, Teenager Pro Tips on Twitter. It's really, uh, really helpful if you have a teenager. Uh, and this, maybe this is familiar to you if you had teenagers, or maybe it'll be preparation for you. But uh, when the trash is full, you put more trash on it. Uh, this is a Teenager Pro, pro Tips. After drinking water from a cup, this is really key, okay? You drink more water from a different cup, right? That's how it works. Uh, when you need something specific from the store, so, you know, you go to the store, you need something specific in there, ask if you can stay in the car. You know, that's a good thing to do. 
Um, if you scrunch up a towel correctly, if you scrunch up a towel correctly, what a really good tip is is that you can make it stay wet forever on the floor. You know, you just you can make it stay wet for a long time. Does this resonate with you, Lily? All right. Um, you know, if you leave a half of a swallow of milk in the container and put it back in the fridge, it's not empty. Is any of this resonating with you? Maybe it's the delivery, but anyways. Uh, uh, the floor, this is what I experience quite a bit. The floor is your closet's largest shelf. And you can use it accordingly. Uh, maybe that's familiar to you. Also, empty food boxes, if you don't know what to do with them, Lily, you put them in the pantry. The empty boxes go in the pantry. Does this all check out? Yeah. Uh, anyways, when it comes to parenting, when it comes to all those things, and you realize like every stage, and Wendy and I, we just entered into, on, on May 3rd, we entered into having a teenager in our home. So the teenager tips have been really helpful to understand what's coming and what's already arrived. Uh, the empty boxes in the cupboard is a real staple, and that whole closet floor thing, that's, that's real. That's genuine. But uh uh, you know, it f has felt like for me uh, building an airplane uh, while flying. Like, what do you do as far as a parent is concerned about how do you raise your kids well in the 21st century? How do you help them have a strong identity and who they are as Christ's beloved children? How do you help them have an identity that's rooted in God and what he believes about them? How do you nurture and care for your kids through pandemics? How do you help your kids now through uh, the things facing their, them right now and, and the concerns of uh, formula and the concerns over safety and concerns over all of these things that are sort of pressing on us? I want to be careful to be encouraging and not adding to our already pr ever-present anxiety. Reaching out to moms this week and just checking in on them and saying, how are you doing? How are you doing? And a lot of them, you know, I didn't realize how much my mom worried about me until I married Wendy and we had kids and I realized all the things that she, um, and worry sounds like she's sinning, but she's just motherly concerned over lots of things. And it's like, I don't know, just put food in front of them and clothe them and send them out the door. You know, that's like, that's my approach. And Wendy's like, well, are they going to be happy there? Are they going to be okay? Are they going to be safe? Are they going to have everything that they need? I'm like, I don't know. I got them out the door, you know. It's like they have clothing on, you know. So it's uh, see, this feels like a win for us, but uh, you know. And so it's just realizing, navigating, parenting. How do we encourage families today? And uh, for me, as I, I as I think about like how do I encourage families? How do I support people now? who have young kids, how do I encourage grandparents, how do I help those and encourage those who are single, who desire a family, how do I encourage those who are single and don't want a family, how do I, you know, navigate my life as an encourager and say, how can I lift people up? Because uh, what we need, what we need, and I think everyone in this room would agree, is that we need to raise up a next generation who loves Christ and seeks them with their whole heart. And the challenges that they are facing seem like these challenges that are insurmountable, but 
I want to just sort of give you the sort of how do we build the plane while we're flying it. You know, no one ever really sat down with me and said, here's how you disciple your kids. Here's how you ensure that they love the Lord and seek him. And the fact is, is that there's no assurances of that. Uh, if you look at uh, my own story um, and my own family, there's not, you know, we grew up in the same house and there's three very different people that came out of that house. And your story can probably be very similar to that. And so there's no guarantees. There's no, like, absolutes. And there's stories and there's hardship and there's things that happen. But how do we encourage? How do we help one another? And so what I want to share with you this morning comes from a book. And, and I hate that I'm doing this probably just as much as you. But uh, there has been a really fabulous book other than the Bible that has helped me in my parenting. And the name of the book is called The Safe House by Joshua Straub. And I don't want to do like a book review, but I do want to tell you uh, that it's a very helpful book in helping us understand kids and helping them and encouraging them. And so one of the, one of the sort of key things of it is, is that a safe house has four walls. I know that's, you know, very brilliant, right? Uh, but a safe house has four walls, and the four walls of the house... And you will see, friends, I didn't know if you knew what a house was, so I actually built one for you. I built it this morning. It's got a door and it's got windows. It doesn't have a roof. We'll maybe address that later. But uh, uh, a safe house has four walls. And the first wall in the house is grace. The other side of the house is truth. This house is protection. And this side of the house is exploration. So a safe house has four walls. Grace, truth, protection, exploration. Say it with me now. Grace, truth, exploration, protection. What side was this? I don't remember. But, um, all right, grace, truth, exploration, and protection. And the four walls of this house, we need to seek to have the four walls of the house level and even. And what, uh, the, the, what Joshua Straub presents in his book is, is that when we have the four walls even and level, when we have them in careful balance of grace and truth, exploration and protection, you have a safe house. When we get one side of the wall or two sides of the wall higher than the others, that's where you have difficulty. That's where there are some things that, uh, that can happen in really how you get bratty kids. No, not. It's how you get, so how you get safe, emotionally healthy children is by having four even walls. And so just processing with you real quick out loud, if that makes sense. Uh, if we were to say this is the, um, this is the grace wall, I think that's what I said. And this is the protection wall. We end up getting, um, you know, I have this all in my head, and now i got to think about it, right? So when we have high grace and high protection, do you know what that parent is called? High grace, high protection? i got to remember myself. That is a helicopter parent. A high grace, so the kid never does anything wrong, and when something bad happens to them, the helicopter parent swoops in. And so you protect them from everything, and they didn't do anything wrong. It was the world that did the wrong to them. Maybe that's you as a parent, and maybe this is like hitting you between the eyes, and that's okay. 
Uh, we're here to condemn and make you feel bad. And so the high grace, the high protection, is something that we do because we fear the world and we fear what... Uh, and so what ends up happening is, is when we overly protect, and there's always grace then what we see in children is less accountability to their own actions, less responsibility and things that, you know, one day, and this, this is the hard part, I'm still building the plane as I'm flying it. There's the point of that is that you don't look at me like I know what I'm talking about, but that we would learn and grow together is that, you know, when we think about responsibility and, and how to take uh, initiative, like one day we're sending our kids off to be their own people. We're sending them off from college and from, uh, you know, enter into the workforce and make a family of their own. We want to send emotionally strong, spiritually growing children, uh, spiritually formed children into the world. And so when I think about my family, one of the things is, is I have to think, am I ha keeping my walls in balance? High protection, high grace. If you have high grace and high exploration, do you know what that parent is? This parent is the best friend forever parent, the BFF. When it's high grace and high exploration, those kids, they can do whatever they want, whenever they want, and there's no protection for them from the things of the world. And so there's, if you're a BFF with their phones, and you say, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want on your phone, well, that's a really bad idea. If you're saying, well, you're free to explore and do whatever you want without any sort of boundaries, when they enter into the teenage years, they're probably going to love that you're letting them have all of the exploration that they want. When we think about this, it's every stage of their life developmentally. When our children were young, we had higher walls of protection because we live on Highway 19, and, you know, and people pay attention on the road and they drive the speed limit, Right? You know, so we don't let our small children out in the front yard because the ball might roll out or whatever fear we had. So we always said, you're free to play in the backyard and play and shoot baskets and do whatever you want in the backyard, but we would keep them from being in the front because of Highway 19. And some might say, well, Jordan, you're being overprotective. And I'm like, you know, I've seen five-year-olds wander and do stupid things. So, you know, it's... It's always a balance, and you have to be the parent. But when I think about this, you have high wall of grace, high wall of protection. You have high wall of grace, and you have high wall of exploration. You can have a BFF or a helicopter. And this is where the terms he uses get a little fuzzy, and they could be maybe better, but this is what he says. So if you have a high truth wall and a high protection wall, what do you have? And he describes that as a religious parent. And what he means by that is, is that there are rules in which you are to conduct yourselves. There are rules and expectations. And so the truth parent, high truth, says this is the way it is. This is how we function. And there is protections in place. Uh, and you are confined to that sort of format of your life. And so if you try to explore too much, well, they sort of rein it in. And they, he calls that the religious parent. Then if you have the high truth and high exploration he calls that the boss parent and the boss parent he'll let you go and do whatever you want but or he or she'll let you go and do whatever you want and when you make a mistake and you fail they'll say well i told you how it is and there's no grace there and you say this is the rules this is what's expected and you failed and 
you smell bad, you know? Like, so there's all these things. And those are caricatures in their worst form. And I don't mean it, uh, I don't mean it to be that. It, there's a lot of nuance. You could probably be several different ones of those. But the emotionally healthy children are going to have a hard time coming out of any of those environments. A safe house tries to have grace and truth, exploration, and protection. And so when I think about my life as a parent, I use this every day of my life. And you can use it every day in your life, whether you're a parent or not. In situations, they always call for, is this a grace or is this a truth? And what you will find in life is every situation calls for both grace and truth. Because we know in our own lives, in our own walk, we've needed God's grace, and we've needed it in every moment. And when I think about grace and truth, exploration and protection, I actually think that this is the way that God is a father towards us. That this is the way God is a father towards me. And you think about in the Garden of Eden, God gives exploration and protection, right? He gives grace and he gives truth. He says, here you guys go. Here is the garden. Here's some trees to eat from and plants, and you can have all that stuff. Explore away. And he says, but guys, here's some protection. Don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is for you, and it is a blessing to you. This, it'll kill you. And I, I, I encourage you guys to practice that with your kids, you know. You do that, you die, right? Uh, and so then there's this encouragement to us to say, okay, God is shaping the garden. God is shaping the garden as a way of showing us of his love, showing us of his grace, showing us his protection and his gift of exploration. He's saying, here's the garden. Here's all of my creation for you to enjoy, all of my creation for you to explore and, and, and eat from this food and enjoy the creation, enjoy the waterfalls, enjoy all of it, enjoy this but know that this has consequences. And so God, he gives us the truth. He gives us what's right. He gives us what's true and good. I think of David um, hearing the truth from a friend that says, you are the man. And we realize our own sin, our own brokenness. We need to hear the truth. Who needs to hear the truth in their life? We need to be told the truth. But who also needs grace? Every last one of us. We need to be forgiven. We need, we need mercy. We need love. We need kindness that we don't deserve. And your kids need that. And your grandkids need that. And your neighbor kid needs that. And your friends need grace and truth. To me, this is not just how do I raise safe, healthy, happy, spiritually formed kids. It's how do I help and encourage people in every day and every aspect of my life. That there are adults who need to know that there are walls of protection and exploration, that if you go here and you continue down this path, maybe that's not going to work out very well for you. Or maybe we need to encourage them to say, you know, get out more. <laughs> we need to have our walls in balance so that we can create walls that are balanced for our kids. And so it's my sort of everyday function, my worldview is, Dealing with, and not dealing with, it sounds like I don't like them. Loving my children and interacting with them and interacting with other people's kids. I want to give them grace. And I want to give them truth. And there's times where it, something happens 
And, you know, I'm the perfect dad, and I say the perfect thing in the right moment. That's probably going to happen tomorrow. Um, it hasn't happened yet, you know, but uh, I'm batting maybe 200. And Joshua Straub just really encourages us to say, if we bat 300, if we're Miguel Cabrera out there, and if we get it right three times out of ten, we're going to raise kids that are healthy and happy and fulfilled and are spiritually formed. If we can love them well, lead with grace or lead with truth, but always bring the two together. When you think about grace and truth, I love thinking of grace and truth as a rubber band. It only works when they're in tension and working together. You have to have grace and truth working together to, uh, to care for your kids. And so... Uh, and when I, when I raise, as I'm raising my kids, as Wendy and I are working together to love them and bless them, care for them, every situation will call for either grace or tr uh, truth to be led with, but they always need to be met. When I, talk to, um, when I talk to Oliver, sometimes I lead with something harsh. And Jared uh, Stutzel, actually, um, I was really being critical of Ellie on the sidelines, um, she wasn't doing what I wanted her to do. And I was about ready to yell something, and Jared reminded me that it doesn't matter. It's fifth and sixth grade girls' soccer. It matters deeply to me. I mean, there's a little sp space in heaven that's set aside for dads who have accomplished fifth and sixth grade girls' soccer. I didn't know that you guys didn't see that in the Bible, but it's there, just so you know. Uh, but I, I saw a lot of things, and what I end up getting most upset about as a parent is things that I see are, are failures in my own life. And so I can get a sort of a visceral reaction deep within me because it's my own disappointments that I'm dealing with. Times where I didn't try hard, times where I felt like I was giving up, times where, and I see that. When, when I see that in my kids, I think it's a failure on my part. So when I say we need to have a safe house, it's also starting with me. It starts with you being able to discern what is the truth and where is their grace. And the truth is, is that we, I have failed. But the grace is, is that God is there and he's forgiven. And I want to treat my kids the way my heavenly father treats me. I want to treat my kids the way my Heavenly Father treats me. Does he give me truth? Yes. Does he give me grace? Yes. Does he give me protection? Yes. Does he give me the gift of exploration? Yes. And so every stage is different. Every, every moment for your kid is going to be different. And so I just take that with me through all the stages. I take it with me when we're talking about should I, Oliver, get a cell phone, yes or no? I take it with me whether or not we should, let our, where our, we should let our kids play and have fun. I take it with me when I'm dealing with situations uh, outside of uh, those things. It's everyday life for me. But here's the simple encouragement. What do you do with it? How do you encourage people around you? I realize this isn't a sermon. This feels more like a lecture. Halila, would you please pull up the thing? Um, this is what it's all about. 75% of kids left the church from 18 to 29. We should let that number sink in. 
three out of four kids didn't come back. And so the question is, is you know, we want to say, well, what went wrong and be critical of it? But we can ask the question, why did the 25% stay? And it's too small for you. I'll share it for anyone who wants to see it. Um, the reason why they stayed was that little pizza symbol is they ate a lot of pizza. Uh, no, it's just a little thing. It says, the number one reason why kids stayed a part of the church is they ate dinner five out of seven nights a week as a family. Five out of seven a night as a family. Number two, they served with their families in a ministry. Number three, they hold one spiritual experience in the home during the week. Number five, they had at least one faith-focused adult in their lives other than their parents. Number four, I went out of order. <laughs> Number, they did a little swoop thing. I, I was reading it like English. but um, entrust, Number four is they were entrusted with responsibility and ministry of an early age. And when I think about what we're doing with my, what I'm doing with my kids, what you're doing with your kids, right now Ellie is serving downstairs in the Littles. We needed someone to serve. In a week, Addie will be serving with the littles or in the nursery. We want to get our kids involved in ministry and serving in some capacity. Al Chupp has been an encourager to my son, so he's not hearing just from me what it is to love the Lord. He's hearing it from Al Chupp. Brad Gardner has been an encouragement to my son. Rick, he said, hey, Oliver, you should try golf this week. And, or not this week, but try being on the golf team several weeks ago. And Oliver, I've asked him to do everything. And, you, you know, he listens to my every word. He just hangs on to it. He hangs on to it. No, oh, but he listened to Ricky. And he said, yeah, I'll give golf a try. And he did it. And it was amazing. And it's like, this is awesome. And I'm so thankful that people are in my son's life who want to invest in him. They have no blood relation, but they're seeing something in my son, and they desire that. And so I'm thankful for them. Brad, we're going to get them into tennis. We can do it. I mean, you can do it. I can't do anything, you know. But we're going to, you guys are investing in my kids, and so I treasure it. I treasure it. And if you're doing it for my kids, I know, know that you're doing it for others. Right now, my kids can reach out to you, and you care about them, and you know them. So I think that we can look at that number, and we can say, okay, we're doing these things. Let's, and where we need to maybe pick it up a notch, then let's kick it up a notch. Eight dinner, five out of seven. Five out of seven. That seems like a lot. I'm, in, I'm a soccer coach, I'm a softball coach, and we were trying to balance golf. Thankfully, all of those, uh, two of those things are dropping off this week. It's been a crazy month, and I look at that and it's like, I don't know that we've been able to pull that off. There are seasons where it's just too crazy, but we got to keep it in balance. We got to be like, yeah, we can meet tonight as a family. If you're wondering, hey, how do I help with this? You say, you know what, it would be really good for us to encourage one another in this regard and say, you know, let's, let's bless a family. Let me bless a young family that's trying to put a meal in front of their family tonight. There are practical ways that we can love and serve and encourage. Serve with families in the church. Serve with us. Um, I'm so thankful for Athena. Um, 
there are many nights where Wendy and I are doing something ministry-related, and Athena has invested countless hours to love and bless and care for my kids. Athena is a gift to my family, and I'm so thankful for her. You know, people, all of you, have invested over the years. My kids call you grandma and grandpa, some of you that are good. And uh, I'm picking on all of you today, I'm sorry. But they're entrusted with responsibility and ministry. And they have one faith-focused adult in their life. You can be the faith-focused adult. You can be the encourager. Because I think every one of us look at that and we say, we want 25%. We at least want the number to flip. And we get there together. We get there by having a safe house in our own home where we practice grace and truth and protection and exploration. There are moments where it's hard. I'm high on protection, and I'm high on truth. I know this about me. And there are times where I need to say, okay, it is all right for my kids to explore here. I don't need to control every aspect of every moment. I'm a control freak. I realize it. And we all have areas in our life where it's like, you know, I can love well. I can care for my kids. I can care for other people's kids. I can be a beacon of light and hope and encouragement. I can share a meal with them. I can bless them. I can say an encouraging word. I can motivate them to do well in school. I can bless them, encourage them, go to their open houses and give them thousands of dollars. It's coming here soon for Oliver in eight years, or not eight years, six, five, four, four years five years I don't know how we're working on the math department too in our house maybe Kate could help us there we're all in it together and what I want for my kids I want for your kids I want them to be a part of the church part of the kingdom of God knowing that they have life and hope in him so let's encourage parents Let's have meals together. Let's encourage their kids. It was such an encouragement to me to be able to see Oliver do something new that I didn't force him to do. Encourage one another. We're in it together. Let's have a safe house filled with grace and truth, protection and exploration. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. Thank you for today. Thank you for the encouragement we have from your word and your example of faithfulness in our life. Lord, I realize uh, that maybe this didn't hit for every person in the room, but every person knows someone that they love who needs encouragement as a parent, who needs encouragement as uh, just as a kid who are going through a lot. And God, there's been high walls of protection and truth and very little grace at times people feeling confined and restricted in life. Kids are struggling emotionally and they're broken and hurting. God, there's a lot of hurt in the world and there's a lot of hope in you. A lot of hope that can be had in you. And so I pray today, God, that we would be a church that loves parents and encourages them. And we ask, God, that you would please bless care for kids. 
Help us to raise a generation that seeks you with their whole hearts. We love you, God. We thank you for all that you've done for us, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Will you stand in response as we continue to just respond with who our good, good father is?